Welcome to the Building and Growing podcast. We're delighted to have Andrea Guzzoni with us today. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you, Lucas. You're most welcome. Look, um, where have you flown in from today? Well, I flew in from Spain, yeah. um, where I'm based in Ibiza, nice. uh, in the Balearic Islands, where I relocated uh, one year ago. Uh-huh. I still commute to London, so I come here uh, one week yes, one week no. Yep. But uh, with the family, we thought it was a good time to to be somewhere um, surrounded by nature. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Fantastic, mate. Fantastic. Well, look, Andrea, why don't you give us a bit of an intro into yourself and um, talk a bit about your background? Yeah, um, I've been uh, I've been in London now um, for about um, seven, eight years, but. Um, I'm born and raised in Milan and that's, you know, that's where a lot of like uh, um, my, in a way, experience and, uh, you know, culture and uh, work ethic comes from, you know, Milan is a very particular place uh, in the world, in Italy as well. Uh, It's very finance driven, um, has a very strong professionalism um, ethic and and that's, I think, is something that I really brought uh, with me um, across the world in reality, because uh, uh, before relocating to London, uh, I've been working in uh, Tanzania, in wow. Dar es Salaam, uh, for two years, where I launched one of uh, Rocket Internet Ventures. Nice. So um, I launched with one of the first um, e-commerce website in Kisbahili. Uh-huh. Um, now, is um, of course, it grew uh, without me <laughs> uh, into a successful company. But long story short, I've been in tech um, for 10 years now. Nice. I've uh, been in, always in venture capital, um, f- um, uh, founded tech uh, companies, uh, aside from Rocket Internet, uh, helping an Italian uh, um, scale-up company to launch their offices in Australia. Nice, yeah. Um, and then I came back to London uh, six years ago to launch um, Rentu, that now became Easy Hire after the latest investment that was led by Easy Group, the yes. same group uh, of uh, EasyJet. Um, so now we changed the, um, the company name and a lot of things changed uh, as we are part of the Easy Group uh, family of brands. Fantastic, yeah. And look, I know that, you know, once upon a time we were having a beer and you were talking about the beginnings of that company and you were loading up cars with, um, you know, sort of equipment hire before, you know, you pivoted to construction. Yeah. So the journey has been a very long journey. And that's, uh, I think any founders knows that, that uh, things change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, for, for us, uh, things change drastically three times. But at the beginning, uh, Rento was born as a marketplace for equipment hire in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea actually came uh, because I used to travel a lot for work and I used to stay in Airbnbs maybe for like a week or two. And as an Italian, obviously, I missed having an espresso machine. <laughs> and you don't really want to buy an espresso machine wherever you go. Um, so I thought, why is there not a service where I can just rent it for a week? Yeah. It's so much cheaper than going down to your coffee shop, like, you know, next door every single day, maybe twice per day. It's expensive, right? Indeed. So you want an espresso machine, you want a tennis rack, you want it to customize your Airbnb. So that's uh, what Rentu was born. Um, and at the beginning, when I created the website, I didn't have any product. So um, I just launched the website. I used to have another job. And I say, basically, when I get to like uh, 20 orders, paid orders online, I'm going to quit and just go to London and do this. <laughs> and that's what I've done. And uh, for the first seven months, I had to buy everything. So people started renting uh, 
uh, mini fridges, uh, guitars, uh, like uh, office equipment. I started renting like baby equipment, airbeds. Airbeds was the most popular with fitness equipment. Wow. Okay. And um, everything all in all in my flat in London, I had probably like ten microwaves. Uh, you know, Far, yeah. like twenty airbeds, ten yeah. strollers. This before I had kids. Okay, I was full <laughs> of like uh, baby cots. And um, my wife then at certain moment told me, you know, or, you know, you need to get out, yeah. you and all your things. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I got a warehouse. And eventually then uh, we started uh, um, uh, signing uh, vendors into the marketplace. Yeah. And, uh, eventually I managed to stop being uh, um, the rental company and delivering things myself in, uh, in London. Yeah. Lovely, lovely. Well, look, yeah. you know, they say the best businesses start out in garages. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, there's no no shame about doing it in your apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be starting in a safe store, one of those uh, places where you keep your storage as well. That's why yeah. I move things after. Yeah. <laughs> so in yeah. uh, Holloway Road. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That was, uh, you know, and every morning I was going there at 6 a.m. loading things and delivering it with a rain to t-shirt across yeah. London. Yeah. I was going there buzzing, say, here's your Nespresso machine. Here's your, your air bed. Fantastic. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, look, um, you know, great to hear about how you started that yeah. business. I guess, you know, there are going to be two key topics we talk about today, international expansion and, um, fundraising and equity. Um, but, um, why don't we start off with international expansion? It's something you've had experience in, at you know rental and easy hire um do you want to kick off maybe with a high level overview of what international expansion is yeah yeah um international expansion is uh, an opportunity for a company uh, first of all to really see how scalable their product is mm -hmm. um in my in my experience i always been involved in uh, in that because rocket internet had a very aggressive uh, go-to-market strategy mm. um where they were basically putting flags across countries before proving a business model so that's okay. a mistake that maybe we can talk about later yeah yeah for um, sure and in other cases uh, uh, for us has been uh, mostly driven uh, by the need of showing uh, um how big the market can be and i'm sure it's the same for a lot of other you know companies that they want to see how big the opportunity can really be mm -hmm. and uh, is this going to be just in the uk or is yeah. this going to be something that can go into europe into the us and that's what really um international expansion is about um i think a lot of companies are not unfortunately sometimes ready to do it I think mm -hmm. that was also our mistake. Yes. Uh, very honestly, <laughs> where we moved maybe too early and uh, we, in a way, uh, were obliged by um, like a market in terms of investment and venture capital. They always require, you know, a very big um, um, TAM, you know, a total addressable market. Is that big enough? Is yeah. it like, are you gonna, you know, how big is your market? That's yeah. one of the first questions they always ask you. And then is where you say, you know, we managed to expand into new countries. And mm -hmm. that's um, that's probably one of the, the reason uh, um, we had this opportunity. Another example I would like to bring in terms of international expansion is that sometimes uh, um, you launch something, let's say a London-based company, yeah. you launch something that is very city-focused. Yes. 
and then it's normal, then you don't want to launch the same thing in Bristol just because yeah. the, dim the demographic is not the same, the dimension of the city is not the same, the turnover of people is not the same. Indeed. And um, then other cities like Paris, Amsterdam, Berlin or Milan or Barcelona are probably more similar to, you know, they have the same customer base that you have in London. Mm. And that's when you are, in a way, obliged, um, you know, that's, it's not even international expansion that become that that's your market. So yes. you need to be there. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I think it was a really interesting point that you made about Rocket Internet, you yeah. know, putting flags in country before there was, say, a proof of concept. Yeah. Um, because, you know, city to city is one thing, but, uh, you know, country to country, particularly in emerging markets, which yeah. Rocket often focused on, yeah, like there are a lot of different dynamics to take into account. There are. There are a lot of different dynamics, especially when uh, you decide to open... Uh, um, a company in any country you go to. Mm, mm. Um, that means you have a new legal system you need to deal with, a uh, new set of laws, new set of employment rules. Uh, yeah. That's really something that you don't want to do if you're not 100% sure that that's the, you know, what the business needs. Yeah. Not what, you know, what you need in terms of your um deck or your presentation it has to be what the business needs that's, yes that's a massive difference yeah fantastic and look um you know I, I i guess you've you've mentioned about why it's so important for it to you know cater to the vc's need of increasing that total addressable market um i guess you know that that is super important on that pathway to say 100 million arr and yeah. other key outcomes that they're out to achieve but you know i want to go back to the beginning of the podcast you spoke about italy you know yeah. you are italian you're yeah. very passionate about the market yeah we i guess have seen um you know some startups do well in italy um but other startups for example uber which you know i would use in every um uh, country um it's not available in italy so you're able to talk a little bit about italy as a market and its characteristics yeah, um, yeah, that's a that's a very good question. As you know, um, the Italian market is is a is a tough cookie. It mm. is uh, it's not an easy one, and uh, um, and I'm, I'd be happy to explain why. And that's my opinion. Yeah, and that's very, one of the bigger problems Italy has that everybody has a very different opinion to each other. Mm -hmm. Everybody's very opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it very difficult. That's it. That's why we love Italy. <laughs> yeah. So it's all right. In a way, it gets, <laughs> gets very creative, but sometimes difficult to manage. Yeah. Um, so um, I think things change now. Or let me, let me at least be, let me share that things have started to change. Mm. I think now um, the Italian tech and startup ecosystem is way more mature than yes. five, ten years ago. Um it obviously things started later, mm -hmm. way later than in the UK, even way later than Spain, for example. Yeah, yeah. But now I think uh, we finally have uh, a decent number of, um, let's call them unicorns. But what, why unicorns are important is not is because they create the ecosystem, right? Yeah. They hire people, they train people, they get people used to what startup startup mentality is. Uh, and these people usually get go out there and they create other companies and they you know they would be great people for if you want to launch your company from the UK to hire in Italy you know because they already they are there they're yeah, trained yeah um, that that was not there like five years ago indeed it didn't exist in a, in the same way is a massive opportunity 
because it's a new ecosystem. Yes. Um, and comp- and that allow you know uh, movers that come now into the market uh, to really be able to capture um, um, part of the market uh, that uh, without even coming with something that innovative. Yeah. Uh, you know, not nothing crazy. Um, something that maybe has been working uh, in the UK for the last ten years. Uh, uh, it might be now uh, the moment for Italy. Uh-huh. Um, you need to know how to do it. Yes. Uh, you need to the right people to help you. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, uh, it could be a massive opportunity. Yeah, and that's a really good point that you made about just having the right people in the market. Um, because you know, a few years ago, I remember when Revolut was entering Italy and you know hiring country managers on the ground. There weren't that many other sort of startups in Italy, whereas, as you've mentioned, there have been a few unicorns and startup culture is now, you know, pretty popular. Yeah, yeah. I think now um, you still need to um, know who to talk with Mm -hmm. um, because, unfortunately, um, so the biggest problem of Italy, obviously, as everybody knows, uh, is the bureaucracy, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's a difficult one to to tackle. Yeah. And... um, and you need the right partner. With that, I means that sometimes the very famous. So, um, as I might say, I'm a UK business, mm-hmm. and I want to go into Italy. And the first thing I would find uh, is a very well recognized law firm, yes. that maybe is a branch of a UK law firm um, that maybe I, I have a good relationship with. And the same law firm that here would have like R and D and innovation department with uh, young, you know, legal uh, people that know how. Uh, the startup ecosystem works. Yeah, in Italy, would be probably managed by a seventy-five years old man um, <laughs> that doesn't want to deal with any sort of innovation and it would give you the same answer he's been giving for the last thirty years. Yeah, and uh, I understand why you know a foreign company would go to them because mm-hmm. it gives you the sense of security of a brand that they recognize. Yes, but that's where the issues then really start because uh, you know you need to if you go to this new like uh, law firm that now started, uh, you know, they have uh, they've been helping those of the successful companies to um, to be successful in a tough market like Italy. Mm. Those are the people you want to talk to, um, and um, and also the same issue might happen if you don't have the right um, you know person helping you and guiding you through the recruitment. Again, I just say there is a new ecosystem, but it's not massive. So if you don't have the right headhunter that knows how to attract and where to find the right talent Mm. that is used to work in an international environment, but has the right mentality um, for uh, for innovation, then you're going to find a very motivated person uh, that has a very different uh, um, working culture than what the UK has. And that's going to be a challenge. As well, yeah. Indeed, indeed, fantastic. And look, are there are there any other sort of key considerations you'd give? I know one quote that you know you threw at me earlier was the fact that Milan's GDP is the same as Austria's, yeah. um, which you know for me means all right, there's a fair bit of money in Milan. Start yeah. there. But is there anything else that you know you'd recommend companies consider um, when it comes to you know expanding to Italy? Yeah, that's this is something um, I've been uh, I've been uh, helping uh, you know cert- a good amount of companies now to um, to answer this question. You know, a lot of people ask me, you know, 
um, what do you think about the Italian market? Is there a good market for us to go in? Uh, and this is something, you know, I've been helping uh, uh, now companies to, you know, address uh, this issue. Mm. Uh, one, the first thing I always say is uh, like, are you, are you ready for international expansion? So let's go back to like, are you, you know, are you already in other markets? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. And, um, and uh, if the answer is yes, I would ask which markets are you in, right? But to get a comparison, what could be similar to Italy? France is similar to Italy, for example. Uh -huh. um, because that's the same bureaucracy, that's the same uh, issues you have with, uh, you know, the workforce and different things. And that is not. That's an issue, but uh, different yeah, than the yeah. UK. There's not well, I mean, uh, issues, but much it's higher percentage of taxes. Absolutely. Uh, you know, for a for a salary relative to yeah. in the UK. Yeah, I don't, might, I'm not going to go into politics know. because now yeah. we have another massive strike in Italy, for example. <laughs> so you know, similar to France, you had those issues yeah, uh, in yeah, the UK. Yeah. Maybe people are not used to. Um, but my first the first thing I when I you know try to help someone to launch into the Italian market is to I would say go a bit slow, mm -hmm. and uh, in reality, here you probably yeah. have one of the best pool of Italians in the world yeah. in London, next to you. Yes. Um, so the best way is to have a very lean approach. Mm -hmm. um, you know, get maybe someone that can help you study in the market. You know, yeah. someone that can help you know understand if there is there an opportunity in the market. Find the right legal firm. Find the right headhunter. Find the right you know business development partner to yeah. test the market, but test it from here. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to open a company in Italy until you don't have a certain amount of revenues there. Yeah. I would not do that. Step one makes no sense. Mm -hmm. um, and usually, really, you can find the best talents here. Yeah. In um, and then you know, step two, you can decide to you know to go. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Andrea, you know, keen to discuss fundraising, but yeah. before doing that, just want to check if there's anything else you want to comment about when it comes to Italy. Um, well, what one thing that I I really think the the market uh, at the moment is uh, is very attractive. Yes. Um, especially for. Uh, um companies uk businesses that maybe um are in uh, certain sectors they're like linked to the to italian market i think now they find also um ripe uh, ecosystem you know okay. uh, compared to before now in terms of uh, you know as we say pool of talents uh, uh, investors and, uh, and and things like this and uh, i also want to say that uh, for example milan you know, we talked about Milan already enough, but um, it changed so much compared yeah. to when I was a kid. I've been, I, I'm not living there and um, um, I love it, but I'm not, uh, but I was born, raised there, my parents as well, my grandparents. And uh, and um, when I used to be a kid, Milan used to be such a great city. Yeah, it was just yeah. about, you know, work and work and work and work. Now it's still a lot about work, but it's much more international. It's much more open. Uh, it's really like uh, I think it's a little bit of a small miracle that people don't look at a lot yeah. uh, in the last ten years. But probably one of the city that in the last ten years became cool yes. is Milan. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like if you take like a lot of cities that were cool before, like a Paris and Amsterdam or a London or a Berlin, they used to be. Ten years ago, Milan was not anywhere. Wasn't mm. anywhere. Mm. Like and um, now it got like a very different. Uh, story thanks to their open mind and it's a bit like on a melbourne on australian level but you know like it, yeah, you know, a little bit yeah. different maybe not the capital but really be able now to attract 
a more diverse pool of people compared to, for example, Rome. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Fantastic. Well, look, Andrea, that's been fantastic to talk about international expansion. Another piece that you've worked on significantly has been fundraising. Um, So I'm wondering if you could talk us through maybe your key learnings from fundraising, um, you know, and how you, you know, what experience led to those learnings. So uh, fundraising is... um uh, it's, a, it's a tough one, uh, you know, you, you, mm, I don't think there is necessarily like, um, the, the only rule is always about, you know, you need to have a million conversations. Yeah. The, everybody's going to tell you and that's, that's reality. Or uh-huh. you're extremely lucky, <laughs> or there is no way you're going to be able to find the right partner, not necessarily the money, but the right partner if you don't have like a thousand conversations. Yeah. yeah. So in my case, that's the way um, I approached it since the beginning. And mm-hmm. now I'm helping uh, different companies to fundraise at the moment as well. Yeah. Because I've been an angel investor now for the last three years. Mm. Um, so I, I like to invest in uh, companies in different spaces and now I'm also been helping them uh, um, in new uh, rounds or new fundraising uh, that maybe they are uh, they're going through um, in in my experience uh, I had the, the, the pleasure <laughs> pleasure the, the, the suffering and pleasure of going through different uh, um, type of investors yeah uh, from corporate investors to um, crowdfunding uh, to um, syndicates angels VCs um, yeah and uh, they all have uh, different needs different uh, um, due diligence process different uh, requirements uh, different goals as well I mean their their returns are different mm-hmm. so they expect different things from you yeah um, and then um, so all have very different, uh, in a way, also um, approach that you need to, um, the way you present yourself needs mm-hmm. to be completely different also yeah. to who you're talking with. And um, yeah, so that's, um, and I think also is very important uh, um, for, um, for anyone who is uh, out there fundraising, uh, fundraising now um, to really try to step back and understand uh, um, if it's the right moment for you to fundraise. Mm. Um, um, can you maybe bootstrap a little bit more? Yeah. Can you maybe actually grow your business more organically, especially today in this economic yeah, situation? Yeah, when there's you know. such a focus on profitability. Yeah, exactly, profitability and then, uh, you know, defeat a little bit of, and I think the venture capital ecosystem is going through a big shake and that's a really good thing because it's yeah. been a little bit, uh, maybe too much and we, everybody knew it, but you know, it's been too much. Yeah, um, yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, it will go back into VCs, VC, you can't just pitch to a VC and the first thing the VC says, are you profitable? Then <laughs> it's going too much. So it's going to maturity from uh, zero to 100. Yeah. Too fast. Yeah. You know, I, okay. I understand that now VCs needs to be, you know, less about just uh, vanity metrics and growth. Mm-hmm. But it can't just be profitability only. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, it needs yeah, to be something yeah, in between. You know, you need, to, you, you need to have a certain level of risk. So, yeah. Um, that's kind of been a little bit, um, a lot, big, a lot of different things throughout uh, throughout the years, uh, and uh, now that I 
find myself helping uh, other companies. Um, I really, I really like to do that. To be honest, is uh, interesting. Is interesting, especially because I have um, the opportunity to. Um, well, as an investor myself, I like to first of all I try to understand if I could I invest in this company, would I invest in this uh, guy or this girl? Um, yeah. What are they building? Is there something I can uh, add any sort of value? Mm-hmm. Is there something I'm passionate about that I'm actually I'm gonna read their you know, monthly or quarterly update because I want to know things about the sector mm. or just because I want, you know, to see how they're doing in terms of, you know, uh, financials and metrics. Yes. Yeah. So and um, I think it's interesting to be able now uh, with experience I have uh, to help companies uh, to to actually talk and target the right investors. You still need the thousand conversation, but you don't need a thousand useless conversations. Yeah, you know, so you, you know, you can get, go a little bit more laser focus, at least on the type of investor you you want to raise from. Excellent. And look, one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, maybe not raising right now, you know, waiting, bootstrap a little more um uh and you know get to profitability and i think that ties in really well to sort of you know marketing for equity and and you know doing work for equity to support these businesses to fundraise when they're profitable so i'm wondering if you want to dive into that yeah um i think the um, the old space about services uh, for equity is um is a very interesting space and is um and, and i think there is a lot of things that can be done there yeah um you know and i'm not talking about like uh, as necessarily as a uh, as myself as an angel advising a company and get equity i'm not talking necessarily about that i'm talking more about something more structure uh-huh. a more more something about that is more linked to a cvc almost like a corporate venture um venture capital where um, a lot of mid-sized businesses, uh, uh, maybe they want to be involved uh, into the startup and the innovation ecosystem. Yeah. Obviously, they don't have the liquidity. They don't have the knowledge as well to really create, you know, um, to invest in companies. Yeah. But they want to be updated with the latest tre- trends. They want to know what's going on in the market. They want to, to participate. Yes. And often these companies, uh, um, they have a massive database mm. or they are some of the main sponsor of the most important fair in uh, your sector. Yes. So imagine that, uh, you know, um, at the most important fair in your sector, you know, a company gives you like uh, even like uh, like 10% or 5% of their stand space mm. to put three or four roller banners of your company. That's priceless, you know, because the uh, association, the opportunity for clients to see you um, associate you in a, like such a big uh, environment, uh, it can be unique. Mm. Um, so this is something I've been investigating a lot recently. Um, and I think there is uh, an opportunity for corporates uh, to structure better their um, their venture and R&D arm. Yeah, investing and creating an actual formula, like as it is, as if they act as a venture capital, but instead in deploying cash, they deploy services. Yeah, um, that's something I'm been very passionate about recently, and um, I'm doing a lot of research 
um, bout. I, I really think that for um, yeah for medium and medium sized um, companies, uh, um, they really have an opportunity to um, tap into the startup ecosystem uh, um, through this service for equity in which they can create a sort of portfolio of companies that are linked to their sector, allow them to overview what innovation looks like Indeed. and uh, helping them uh, get into product market fit faster. So sometimes at the beginning, uh, when, uh, when, you're, when you have an idea mm. and the first year of life, uh, you know, usually what can you do? You can bootstrap, you can go through an accelerator to then raise VC money. And maybe, you know, maybe you raise in your pre-seed round, let's say even three, five. Now I, I've seen pre-seed even in Italy of more than 30 million. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, incredible. So, life. you know, like, uh, but in the end of the day, you're gonna have all this money and you're gonna start trying a lot of different things. Uh, and this is gonna delay most probably your product market fit. Mm. Well, if you think you, that's your sector, that's the problem you're solving uh, and you want to test it faster, the best way to do this is to, in a way, partner up with someone who has already that database, already had the proposition, already can bring you in front of the clients. Because in the end of the day, I think 99% of the companies, they fail because your clients, they don't know that you exist. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's reality. They don't even know you exist. You haven't really tested even. And um, that can be a, you know, a step one um, for companies to go faster on the product market fit show like um, traction yeah um and then uh, immediately they can raise more money yes i also understand the venture capital side of things where they are scared to have a corporate in the cap table mm -hmm. they find it difficult to see money and the service as the same value for example if valuation is the same yeah at the round but at the same time i think if this one is organized better and that there is a clear, like, uh, um, a clear sort of actions that will happen to get those equity, yeah. and is like with a price tag attached. Then I think is is not different than um, than money, and is actually the same thing than a VC or an investor would say. I'm putting money, but I'm going to add all my value, all my network, and Indeed. that's that's actually more tangible if you know you have a database that you built in 20 30 years yeah yeah um, that's it and look so, yeah. i mean it you know it aligns with what the vcs are saying in terms of you know focus on profitability well yeah. if you can get profitable by getting clients and and access to that network by um giving away a bit of equity you know it can really really help out that that sort of um that revenue yeah yeah fantastic Andrea, anything else that you want to mention about fundraising and equity? Um, in terms of uh, fundraising and equity, um, I think it's, uh, it's a very um, interesting uh, uh, market uh, uh, nowadays. So I think it's going to be, in a way, uh, I think we have to wait and see mm -hmm. how things are going to reshape uh, maybe next year. Yeah. Um, I think it's also a very interesting market now for who is um, liquid and can acquire companies. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's very expensive to borrow money, but if you have money now, of course, it's very um, cheap. That's uh, right. To discount buy companies. shopping. Yeah, yeah, discount shopping. So yeah. um, that's where that's the way I would, uh, you know, I would go to an investor to say because then of course investors are cheaper than banks yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, in a way 
depends. That be depends <laughs> <laughs> on the headache they give you on uh, on a on a call on a Saturday night. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and I would you know phrase your growth now in terms of uh, an acquisition. Yes, I would yeah. go to an investor saying it's not, it doesn't need to be every, a, a lot of times people are scared about M&A and they think it's like some massive uh, leverage buyout where you need to, you know, I'm talking about very simple things. There is someone mm. who has been uh, doing something similar, maybe has a more advanced uh, um, SEO website that can, you know, cut you a lot of time or yeah. as a database, you know, has been in the business maybe for five years, six years, maybe 10 years, but it's not, it's maybe it's been a lifestyle business. Yeah. That's the yeah. time to buy it um, and grow faster. Yes. I think that's what I would do, yeah. Fantastic. And look, Andrea, any any takeaways that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, in terms of uh, takeaway, um, I think I would uh, go to, um, I would basically say what I say all the time um, to myself when I'm thinking if I'm uh, interested in helping or investing in a, in a new company. Yeah is um, because this is a mistake that I've done myself is uh, um, is the founder um, is he or she like uh, um, passionate really about the sector mm. is like is it something that you really are gonna read about also in your free time yeah um, is it something that you really uh, want to um, solve is that is something you you really care about yeah because uh, i think uh, the mistake done it was uh, like an interview from um um bezos i guess that was describing how there are mercenaries and missionaries you know like uh, different type of uh, entrepreneurs you know? okay and um you know mercenaries would be just uh, launching a company uh, to sell it mm. and a missionary was someone that has a mission yes you know yeah. i that's that's why we want to do and um, I think I've been a mercenary myself uh -huh. in a way, and that came unfortunately to the moment in which I joined, um, I think the tech ecosystem. Yeah. Um, ten years ago, uh, Rocket Internet, uh, we were it was everything was new. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. were just it was just about growth. Indeed. And just um, I think that um, now things change, and I think uh, finding someone that is really truly passionate about something is going to really build a company that lasts. Yeah. And it's going to be difficult then to convince to sell. Yeah. <laughs> but then yeah. really, you know, you, you know, you're doing a good investment. Eh? And the other thing is, is uh, if you really have a clear advantage, mm -hmm. that's the other thing. You know, maybe you don't really care, but that's maybe not your mission. Yeah. But you really know something that someone doesn't. Yes. Or you have the right link at the right time. Then I would invest in you as well. You know, yeah. so that, that I would understand you can be mercenary in that situation because that's business. You know, you buy cheap, you sell high. You Indeed. know, that's, that's yeah, how it yeah, works. That's it. But yeah. you need to really have an advantage, not just I see an opportunity and I'm gonna build something in that opportunity. That's too vague. Yeah. You know, yeah. I know something that people don't know, and that's what I'm gonna do, and that's A, B, and C. Then okay, then 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 it's then it's cool yeah know, that makes sense yeah. and look yeah you know you did mention my absolute favorite quote you know buy low sell high like yeah you know like there's like that is pretty much you know as business business yeah. like yeah, yeah i'm doing yeah. an executive mba at oxford now, yeah but that's you know in that's the end business. Of the day, yeah this is it yeah. buy low sell high and yeah. understand that there's a funnel you know yeah. and like not everything that goes in the top ends up at the bottom but yeah yeah Andrea, look, thanks so much for joining us today and looking forward to hearing how the NBA goes. Yeah, thank you, Lucas. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. Thank you, mate.